This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri with Brandon Rathert. Child's is here set on fire, and you can see it on a camera. And all of a sudden, a gust like this happened, and it took everything on this side of the street. Our house was there and gone in 15 minutes. People have lost everything. You know, nothing to come back. Cars, houses, sheds, animals. People from Wooldridge sharing what they lost in that massive fire from over the weekend. Chatting with our news partners at ABC 17. There are some ways that you can help through the American Red Cross. Right now, I want to bring in State Representative Tim Taylor. Represents that area. Represents parts of Howard Cooper, Saline Pettis County's District 48 in the Missouri House of Representatives. Also, longtime firefighter. Representative Taylor, we appreciate you joining us on the show. Thanks for serving on the front lines. I want to ask this. This is in an area you rep. You've also been a firefighter. You show up. You see the devastation from this massive fire over the weekend. And you see what happened in the town there. What was what was your initial reaction to all this after you actually saw what happened? <laughs> well, th- first, Brandon, thanks for having me on. So, look... Um when you're a firefighter and you're you're driving up to a scene, you, you start evaluating the situation, right? Uh, of course, I'm not doing that anymore, but that instinct is still there. And I was 10 miles out seeing that column of smoke going across the eastern horizon, and I already started uh, figuring out in my mind what was going on. So, And at five miles, it got even worse. And then when I got down there, uh, it was just, look at that. 30 years of firefighting experience and it's not like anything I've ever seen. Um, somebody that just, just then you, they were interviewing somebody who talked about her house was there and then it was gone. Uh, when I got down there, there were still houses, uh, standing, but the, the dryness and the, and the, but the wind, uh, volume and force and, um, man, it's just hard to put into words. Uh, those houses were gone in minutes, right? Luckily, um, Luckily, the church was saved, and the post office was saved, and the community building was saved. But pretty much everything on the south side of, of Highway 179 is gone. Uh, it's quite quite amazing, really. So let me uh, ask four, you this. Nearly, nearly four-mile fire line going up the river bottom. Wow. wow. And you said that uh, you've never seen anything like this. What specifically about this that you go, well, I've in my 20 plus years when I used to fight fires, I never saw this. What was it you saw over the weekend that you say you hadn't seen that before? Well, there were, there were a couple of things. Uh, just the wall of fire running through a town. That's just not something. And that's something we, we see and hear about, you know, in California, parts of Colorado, uh, that dryness and that mm-hmm. stuff. That, that all was reminiscent to me of what I would watch on the news, not something that would happen in a small river town. So the wall of fire and the and the speed at which it progressed was was impressive, and that even the wildfires down there in the river bottoms that stuff was which may normally be a wetland uh, that stuff has been dry now for for weeks and weeks and so that particular it was just a tinderbox waiting to happen um, just the the speed with which it all happened and then on the the reverse side of that uh, there's only been one other time I think in Cooper County's history. Uh, back in 1991, when we had so many departments from all across the state show up for a, for an event. So I think 50, probably there's going to be more than that, uh, different departments that showed up to, to lend a hand. And I understand 
you have to understand that a lot of those folks came and didn't really get to do anything, right? But uh, the support to come and be here if needed. The situation was ever-evolving, and that could have changed all along that river bluff on the western side. That fire line could have gotten to the bottom of that, and if the wind had switched just a little bit, it could have shot up that the bluff on the western side, and there are just houses all along that I-79, uh, I-79, 179 corridor going down to Wooldridge. So the situation could have changed and gotten a lot worse. Thankfully, it didn't. And hopefully the rain will be here to alleviate everyone's concerns. Yeah, uh, Representative, thank you so much uh, for uh, joining us live. Representative Tim Taylor, a Republican from the Speed area in Bunston. Of course, many of our listeners in Columbia remember him from his time uh, at the Columbia Fire Department. And thank you for sending me the photos on uh, on Saturday. We've, we've used some of that information in our stories. Two-part question, Representative. Number one, you mentioned the statewide mutual aid system, because I never remember all the years I've been doing news, I never remember it being used before. So if you'd reminisce, because I don't remember this, this fire in 1991 in Cooper County, if you'd elaborate on that, because that would be something, I guess, comparable. And two, what are you hearing from the folks in Wooldridge, which is a very poor town. You and I have both been there. I've driven through it, been into the town. It's very poor. A lot of elderly people. They don't have much to begin with. What are you hearing on damage estimates? And have you spoken to Governor Parson personally about this? Sure. Good to talk to you, Brian. Thank you. Um, So what I'm talking about in 1991 was the train derailment uh, that spilled uh, yellow phosphorus all along the river bottom right there along that I-70 corridor. Um, folks came. It was a many days long project that took place. And I will admit to you that I was in the military, in the Air Force right then, just about ready to get out when that all kicked off. So I wasn't actually here. Okay. I just know the stories and the history and the talk about how that, how that played out. Um, as far as the folks down in Wooldridge, I haven't spoken with many of them. I know there was reported that Red Cross took care of 10 displaced people. When I got there, first thing, I was walking into town. I met, uh, well, I, somebody yelled at me from a vehicle, and it was uh, three kids, who are, two of which are my 4-H kids in archery, and uh, their family was down there. They had house, a house down there, and they had some livestock and some pets. And so I met with their parents, and uh, they were really you know, upset, and I assured them that things are going to get better. So... Um, my 4-H kids in, in our local club uh, had a meeting last night, and they passed the hat to, to donate money to this family just to help them get through. So the important thing was that they were all there. What I've heard is that everybody was accounted for. When I was down there, the mayor of, of Wooldridge, was, she was taking a head count, trying to get a, you know, a count to be sure everybody was accounted for and safe. And that's what I know, that everybody's safe, and that's what's important. It's going to take a little while for all of that uh, to be um, deciphered, if you will, and figure out what losses were there. You're right, Brian. Very poor community. Uh, the flood of 93 was devastating on that small town. Mm-hmm. When you hear a lot about uh, you know, 23 or 25 structures were destroyed, you have to understand that, that all those structures, of course, weren't houses, you see. That's right. There were a lot of houses down there that hadn't been um, livable. Uh, so much was destroyed that much may probably needed to be cleaned up anyway, but 
gosh, you know, who wanted to do it like this, right? State Representative Tim Taylor, uh, reps parts of Howard Cooper, Saline Pettis County, is joining us this morning here on Wake Up Mid-Missouri to talk about this uh, Wooldridge uh, fire. Tim, for many of us, Brian's kind of making me think back to days being on a wildland fire line many, many moons ago and all. But something that comes to mind, you know, we're kind of looking at the pictures and getting flashbacks of things in Southern California with greasewood and the chaparral exploding and all. This points up how important uh, MU Fire Rescue and Training Institute's summer fire school is because a big part of that is devoted to wildland fire training, isn't it? It is. It is indeed. Yep. As a matter of fact, there was just, uh, I think, uh, ME sponsored uh, a burn class here just recently. Not that that's definitely wildlife firefighting, but it kind of ties into that, that um, they train people how to do controlled burns, which would help alleviate a lot of this wildland fires getting out of control, right, if we do it on a controlled process. So ME Fire and Rescue Training I've been participating in those classes since 1984, so they've been doing a good job for all these years, and boy, they'll always be getting my support as a state legislator anytime I can lend it to them. Uh, Just important, just very important uh, entity in this state. And to have it here in in mid-Missouri is a plus for us. We've benefited from it. Uh, We didn't have to spend a lot of money to send our folks, right? It's right here, right down the street. Right. And and I would go back. Let me go back to Brian's question. I didn't follow up on that last part. Uh, I have not spoken with the governor on this. Um, there are my job down there was as a Cooper County citizen first. I just went down there to help the best I could, whether that be drag hose or my EMT license is still valid. So you know if I could help take a blood pressure on somebody or, or anything like that. Uh, there are folks who are in line to get this stuff organized and to figure out what's going to need to happen, and they don't need a politician standing in the way. So I'm always here to be an avenue for information coming and going. So if the governor reaches out to me, I will tell him everything I know, but I won't uh, I won't bother him because there's already people who have that avenue to get to him. So. Uh, is there anything that we can do to be of service? I know folks been asking help. The best we can tell them right now, uh, I think, is the uh, American Red Cross. So if you're aware of any venues, any ways that we can help uh, where somebody might be more comfortable to donate to something directly local to help these folks with whatever they need, are you aware of anything right now that you can pass along to us here this morning on Wake Up Mid-Missouri? I do, yeah. Uh, again, the Red Cross is always good, but, yeah. but to your point, uh, the Open Bible Praise Center on Highway 87, it's near the junction of I-70 and Highway 87, which for people coming from Columbia, that'd be the first exit of Boonville. Uh, they are accepting donations, uh, and I can give you their address and their phone number if you'd like to have it. Ah, da-da-da-da. Yeah, go ahead and give me that number here. Give us Sure. The so the phone number, phone number is 660 882-6996. And their address is 16991 Highway 87, Boonville, Missouri, 65233. All right, and that's Open and Bible that, Praise Center. Is that the name of the facility? That is correct. All right, and the phone and number. And that, it's, it's I-70 sorry. and 87, the phone number 660. It's in the 660 area code. 882-6996. So you might want to call them and say, hey, what can I... I know a lot of times it's toiletries, things like that, that are immediately needed after uh, a fire. Mr. Taylor, anything else that you would like to add? 
No, I just, well, I mean, yes, actually there is. Uh, if anybody anybody can hear this that came as a volunteer or came with their department to lend a hand to Cooper County, I can't thank you enough. Um, guys were here for us, and, and I know all the departments over here are going to be ready to go anywhere in the state where we can help, too. So just an amazing thing. So lots of local people doing lots of good things, and, and I'm proud to represent them. All right, State Representative Tim Taylor uh, reps parts of Celine, Howard, Cooper, Pettis counties. Uh, if there is something that we can do for you or the community, so we're talking about this uh, Wooldridge, about 10 miles west of Columbia, about 30 miles northwest. If you're taking off out of Jefferson City, sits on the west side of the uh, Missouri River. If there's anything that we can do um, for uh, for our fellow mid-Missourians, you let us know, okay? I'll certainly do that. Thanks for all you guys do. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri with Brandon Rathert. Business news with that little twist that only Stephanie Bell can give you. Wanna wanna let you know this first. Uh, there is a, a wreck southbound 63 uh, near the AC Grindstone exit. Wreck on southbound 63. First responders are on the scene. We have eyeballs on it. Doesn't seem to be jamming traffic up too bad, but it is uh, slowing down basically uh, down to one lane. Um, so Hannah is not going to be very pleased about this quote unquote tax. And you said, what are they going to tax next after we talked about taxing digital ads? Luckily, a judge stepped in and put the stop to that. But here uh, they're saying there's actually a pumpkin spice tax. An extra no. tax just on the pumpkin spice. No. And not really a tax, but a tax in the same way that a couple years ago it hit, hit, it hit headlines about a pink tax. And something that if they were selling a product to women and they just changed the color to pink, it was automatically more yeah. expensive. Um, so here they're saying stuff that is pump, they, they, they got our number, right? And we love pumpkin spice. So on average, pumpkin spice products are about 16% or no, up 161% more. Um, so 61% above the other products. So like, for example, pancake mix, regular pancake mix, a decent price, pumpkin spice, pancake mix, you can add a premium. Now, is there like, can you just buy your own pumpkin spice like seasoning and just season it yourself? I think that's how we save money. Probably. Or you could just add like pumpkin puree Ugh. and pumpkin pie spice to anything and probably make it pumpkin. Yuck. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are haters. Okay. The so, only The only seasonal flavor that's better than pumpkin spice is peppermint. We're almost in peppermint season. Ew, gross. No way. I hate Thin Mints or anything. And, I mean, ranch, Yeah, but you also thin hate mints, Santa peppermint, Claus and puppy breath. The whole thing. <laughs> but Starbucks apparently started this because their pumpkin spice latte is a full dollar more than their regular latte, which is just seems bizarre. Right? Hannah's got a grumpy face on. They're going to come it's, out with a, a, a Stephanie Bell pumpkin spice ranch dressing next. Uh. <laughs> No, I am upset, but it's more at myself for being such a sucker for this stuff. <laughs> We're almost past pumpkin spice season. You're right. So do you think there'll be a peppermint tax? I'm sure there probably is. I hope not. I hope not. I'm not. a I'm, Like the I'm, coffee creamer. Yeah. I've never fallen victim to the pumpkin spice thing. I just don't like, I don't do pumpkin pie. I don't like pumpkin puree. It's just cinnamon. Okay. Pumpkin spice? No. Brandon, you're not a fan either, are you? Uh, I don't go out and... Uh, I've, I've got my tube of uh, pumpkin spice toothbrush, and that's about where <laughs> I draw the line. Wow, well, you've got a tube of a toothbrush? That's awesome. 
toothpaste, yeah. But I think it's interesting when we kind of know it's a getcha, you know? And, like, you know that if you're buying something that's pink or labeled toward women or pumpkin spice, that you're just going to overpay. But, like, you you love it so much that you still do it. Let That's excellent marketing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri with Brandon Rathert. And I saw it with my own eyes, and I saw what it looked like like sparks and so i literally thought it was fireworks so i kept walking and then i saw a guy bleeding and i was like okay it was not fireworks uh that is a uh witness over the weekend chatting with uh one of our local news affiliates shooting downtown columbia uh several people uh, three people uh hurt so this is going on in the midst of and apparently mizzou and i, I guess so but mizzou got real uh dice about it didn't happen at homecoming. It's homecoming weekend. Didn't happen on campus, so it didn't happen at homecoming. It happened during homecoming weekend in downtown uh, Columbia. And it's interesting because I saw Christian Tabak. He is with the Columbia Police Department. And I think he was saying on the TV, he said, this is like this Fusis camera system. <laughs> this this would have this would have helped. This is exactly what he said to, uh, to Joshua Blount on camera. And I know Chief... Uh, Jones really wants to come on Wake Up Mid-Missouri to talk about this very issue. Then he he wanted to come on, obviously, before the shooting. But they have said all along, Brandon, and, and, you know, we've talked to the chief, we've talked to the police. They're not they're not using this about race. This doesn't have to do with race. This doesn't have to do with surveillance. What they're looking at is they could, for instance, see backpack and things like that, but they'd be able to see it in real time. But until they do that, what they have to do, all those businesses were basically closed with the exception of a few. They have to canvas, go to each one, knock on doors, and it could take several days, if not a couple weeks in some cases, to get all the surveillance video. So that's the whole idea behind Fusis. The scary thing is there were many people out. I don't know if people noticed that any other day that would have been the lead story on the news uh, all weekend. But because of the fire, it kind of even in my own newscast got pushed no. back. But if they if you listen to the sound bites in that I played from uh, Lieutenant Hester, you could hear what was basically it sounded like chaos going on behind him. And I took that directly from their Twitter. I appreciate them posting those videos, but it was um, you heard I, it appeared to be people screaming a very Obviously, they were scared, um, but people gave the police the space they needed. Um, but two of them, they don't know how they even got to the hospital. So I don't know if they were taken by private vehicle. Just very scary. Three people shot in Columbia, and it didn't get a lot of coverage. It got some, but because of the fire, it didn't get nearly what it would have gotten. Uh, is it? He didn't get as much coverage. Yeah, you've got a story that usurps its placement in the in the news of the day. But I also uh, the fire the fire is uh, the fire is a huge thing that the shooting is too though. It's just a different type of story. Uh, But I'm I'm wondering, is it one of those with that shooting? Oh, shootings in Colombia. That's that maybe people aren't soaking it in. Maybe. And I'm not calling on news agencies. I'm, is what I'm saying is, oh, another shooting in downtown. So what? You know what I mean? Does that make sense? It makes sense. I I would hope we haven't gotten to that point because any shooting, and I'm not being, I'm, you're just talking about people's mentality. I would hope we would not because it is a concern. And um, we had somebody bleeding, and I saw the the pictures on Channel 17. 
there was quite a bit of blood mm-hmm. in those pictures, and it's just it's terrible. Some three people are shot, and whether it's not, yeah, I know that. Apparently- it was all compounded by being homecoming weekend. Yep. Yes, too, right, Brian. Right. That's the and and but, but exactly, and then the whether it's non life threatening or not, apparently it is. Their lives could be changed forever. We don't know how badly they're injured, but I mean, they're going to be scared. I'm sure traumatized. It's just terrible. And I think people are taking it seriously. I mean, we know from the polling behind inflation, crime is number one. And I think, you know, especially as a mom who will eventually send their kids, hopefully to a college campus, you know, it's it's terrifying to not feel like you can, you know, go to regular spots in, in your community and, and that you're not safe or that your kids might not be safe. Uh, last weekend, I was at a uh, music showcase for True North. They do great mar- uh, great work in this community when it comes to helping folks that are victims of domestic violence, survivors of domestic violence, and leaving the Blue Note Theater after that, a little bit afterwards. It was kind of like, which I do anyway. I-, I think really, no matter where I am, you know, it's a little bit later at night. And, uh, yes. I'm, I'm looking around. I'm you yes. know, paying attention, but I don't know if I'm scared, but also... There are very few occasions in life anymore which finds it necessary for me to be at a downtown bar late at night. I just don't get into those situations anymore. Um, But you're right. You were there for a fundraiser, though. I mean, yeah. Uh, But I'm thinking, you know, it it, it was uh, homecoming weekend. You got parents, a bunch of alumni in town for something like this to happen. But and also, I will will say this because I. uh, all the time. Well, we need more law enforcement, and we do need more in law enforcement. And anybody, these Democrats, uh, defund the police. My goodness, it's just insane uh, to think that. Um, but you could put, uh, and they said this. I think it was Christian Tabak with the Columbia Police Department said, as a matter of fact, law enforcement was fairly close to that shooting. We're able to respond just like that. You could put a, a, a cop on every single street corner in America, or at the very least downtown Columbia or downtown Jefferson City. You're still not going to stop crime. And these things, and this is why I get so frustrated with this mis. And I think everybody has done a great job of explaining what this is, but I hear people that go to the city council meeting, well, you're just going after black people. What's the number of black people currently in the jail? And this is just, you've got the DA in Philadelphia, in Philadelphia, talking about that uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Oz race with his opponent there, Betterman. Betterman. And he's saying, well, they're talking about crime. We know that, that when you talk about being tough on crime, that's a dog whistle for uh, we're going after black people. My God, no. That's not what it's about. But we've heard some of that at the city council meeting in Columbia. Well, they're just trying to, it's, it's, it's inequitable. Uh, you're going after, no, we're not going after black people. We're not going after anybody is what we're doing is we're asking businesses for their permission to say, hey, can we view your stuff all at one stop place? So when Friday night, when that shooting was going down over the weekend, that immediately law enforcement could have said, okay, we see those people right now because we have access. We can catch those people. And now you wouldn't have three people that were hospitalized going, who the... Because what is law that's enforcement, a, what's their biggest problem when you have shootings in certain neighborhoods? People don't talk. That's just it. They're afraid to come forward. And you know there were people, Brandon, you know there were people down there that saw it that know who did it. Or at least could provide a description. And they very well could have. The police are not going to release that information. But your point is so well taken because people had gone to the council meetings. You have the audio, I think, in the computer and and they were suggesting that the these cameras would be used to target people of color. I, 
paraphrasing, but it's basically what they were saying. The police are saying, no, that is not the case. That is scheduled for a vote, by the way, on November, I think November the 16th, the council meeting. Um, the, uh, the last thing I would tell people to do, I encourage all of our listeners to go to the Columbia Police Department Facebook page about this shooting. There was also an incident at uh, on Clark Lane Saturday morning. Read the comments. Read the comments from the people. Some of them are Mizzou parents, very concerned. And how are these shootings going on? And they're, they're acting surprised. And a lot of the questions they're asking are questions, Brandon, you've raised on this very show. But I'd encourage people to take a look at that. And then we have one guy on the Columbia Police Department Facebook page basically saying it's not that big of a deal. Um, uh, but again, a triple shooting downtown, it's, it's a big deal. And it would have been a lead story had it not been for the, and quite frankly, this horrific crash down in Jeff City also didn't get a lot of coverage. So just a, a very, very um, scary incident. Hopefully they'll be able to, uh, to to arrest the perpetrators. But at this point, um, although I saw someone on the 0700 report that looked like it's possible, I've, I've not been able to confirm that may be another, another incident. To the best of my knowledge, there have been no arrests. Uh, yeah, this DU deadly DUI. Yeah. Uh, anything new this morning on that, Mars? Deadly DUI, Jefferson City over the weekend. That's a story where a Jefferson City woman was a passenger in a car mm. that was hit by a man from Ozark, Missouri, and he's now charged with DWI involving a death and involuntary manslaughter. They said uh, Robert Harris crossed the road at Country Club Drive and Rainbow Drive, western Jefferson City, into oncoming traffic, hit the other car, killing 46-year-old Melanie Wolcombe. Yeah, it was these stories like that, they, and I don't mean to bum you down on a Monday morning. We talk about these stories, people getting shot, somebody uh, dying in a drunk driving, you know, hit by an alleged drunk driver. Uh, but I always think it's kind of like this Wooldrich fire. You know, it's a small town, too. I mean, how many of us have ever been through Wooldrich, Missouri? I, I have. I have. I had a friend of mine's friend of mine's uncle who we used to go up on his farm up there and, and there have been there have been i definitely remember the flood and i they want to say maybe a another storm of some kind they've had a, a couple of floods through there but most of our listeners very very poor um but there's not it's very small it's tiny it's not even really it's kind of a I village it's even 50 people in yeah it's officially it's 20 but brandon's right 250 but i mean you're talking about people in the outline i think in the actual village it's 20 to 30 yeah and we think, well, it's not a big town or whatever. But to those people that got displaced or saw their, you know, better part of town, like just kind of disappear, that's the biggest thing in their lives this morning. That you is. know, uh, and these people that are hospitalized, Columbia shooting over the weekend, you know, all minor injuries, shooting at downtown. That's the biggest thing probably in their lives today. We may not. And when I say we, I don't mean we as a news organization, but collectively as a public. Oh, so it's shooting downtown. Well, nobody got killed. It's going to be fine. But those people that are directly affected, that's the biggest thing in their life right now. That's exactly right, Brandon. There's no question about it. And I, again, for people who would say, no, it's not a big deal, listen to Hester's sound bites that I played this morning. Listen to the people behind there. That is, they're scared very scared, and you can hear it in their audio how scared those people are in the background. Right. Uh, coming up just a few minutes from now here on Wake Up Mid-Missouri, some leftovers. We got a bunch of leftovers, and since it's Monday, since we gorged over the weekend on stuff, refrigerators full of good leftovers, maybe. 
We'll do that. Coming up about five minutes from now here on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri with Brandon Rathert. All right, some of the things that we didn't get time to get to during the show here this morning on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. We're going to open up the fridge and see what we have in the way of leftovers sometime. Well, usually in our fridge. We've always got good leftovers. We have so much stuff, just don't have time to get to. One of the stories, um, I, I'm fascinated by this stuff, but several days ago, a couple of cars found a lake of the Ozarks, and this is part of an ongoing uh, years-long search for a uh, veteran by the name of Donnie Irwin. He hasn't been seen in almost uh, 10 years. So there's some dive teams, and they're searching the, uh, the the lake, and they found a 2004 Chevy Cavalier that was reported stolen from a hotel in 2005. So this car been reported stolen 17 years ago, found at the Lake of the Ozarks, and apparently right in that same area, authorities found a 1958 Ford Thunderbird. And I'm like, wow, right? Like, what's the story there? How is a 1958 Ford Thunderbird sitting on the bottom of the, the, uh, of the lake? Wasn't that John Marsh's first car? <laughs> 1958 Ford Thunderbird. That wasn't the car that was racing through Howell County? Man in Howell County, which is in southwest Missouri. Down near West Plains. West Plains. 100 clocked nabbed by Missouri State Highway Patrol going 163 miles an hour. What's the ticket for that? You know how they give the speed ranges like 5 to 10 over this price I think the, the, yeah, the ticket for that is handcuffs usually. <laughs> oh yeah, he went to he went to jail. You'll uh, you so I got I got nabbed at 145 miles an hour in like 2005 going through Wyoming. Jesus. Yeah, uh, but was able to talk my way out of it. Thanks. What did you do? Bat your eyelashes? No, my my wife who is a uh, 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 not a heart surgeon, but she's a nurse cardiologist nurse and she did she has something called svt super ventricular tachycardia so she had a heart condition so she feigned a heart attack and we were looking for a hospital you're kidding no i'm not oh my gosh that's horrible it is and so (laughs) still married brandon (laughs) no that was the second ex-wife but i did i wrote a letter to this it was like sweetwater county wyoming or sweetwater wyoming i wrote a letter because it was all volunteer fire department volunteer emt and so I wrote a letter and sent him a bunch of money. I didn't sign my name to it. But I said, hey, back in 2005, following a weekend uh, wedding, and I sent him a bunch of money. Um, yeah, if I put the pedal down all the way on my minivan, I'm not sure I could. I think 120 <laughs> might be the limit. I don't think it goes that Because a video, uh, 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 a van, a uh, uh, minivan, it'll get to shaking and rattling before yeah. you get up to 85. See, I get scared if I hit 85. I can't imagine going faster than that. Uh, any idea was the fastest you've been in a car, Hannah? Probably 85. <laughs> Marsh? Oh, I used to have a string of hot rods back in the day. I had a 71 Torino GT that would get you well in excess of the posted speed limit. Nice. Well, there was one morning a year or so ago, maybe, I woke up late. And it was when I was living in Jefferson City, and I had to hightail it to get to the studio on time. And you were making fun of me, Brandon, because I was all wigged out about how fast I had to drive. And I think I said I, you know, I I had to drive 85 the whole way here, and you were laughing at me because that wasn't very fast, in Um, your opinion. But very safe. 
Very safe. Yeah, I was not the driver in the fastest I've ever been going. I had a trip, um, like a kind of like an Uber trip in Germany, and we were on the Autobahn. And I like I wasn't even sitting in the seat. I could feel I was just like hovering. We were going, you know, I felt like we were going so fast. And I'm not exactly sure it was in kilometers, but I felt like I was flying. And I do not. It was not a, a pleasant experience. Oh, we just got a text from uh, Casey it says. This is Casey. What names can you not name babies? You never finished the story. Uh-oh. <laughs> so, thank you, Casey. All yeah. Thanks, Casey. Well, we were debating because this might be good enough of a story that, like, we... No, okay, <laughs> so... Push it. Here it is. Different states have different rules. Uh, ten examples of baby names uh, that apparently are legal to use here in the night. And basically it's up to states because states are the one who issues birth certificates. That's why it's mostly up to states. And, and the rules are really like it's opposite of creating a password. So whereas like passwords, you have to have like a numeral and a capital letter and a hyphen and a, and a character. Most pl- states are saying you can't do characters or numbers in baby names. What about Elon Musk's last kid? I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's a series of letters and numbers, isn't it? It depends on what state, yeah. It depends on what state, whether or not it's legal. Like the artist formerly known as Prince is your baby name, huh? Uh, AFCAP is what we call them. Artist formerly known as Prince. But apparently some of the names here in the United States that you can't use. King and Queen. King and Queen. Jesus Christ. You can't name, which 